Ra hum ra taruna runa runa run tahora kumba kumba nun tahora hara lamba nun da lamba tara munda run da munda ramda runda ramda munda lamba munda tom. To Isengard, the Isengard, be ringed and barred with doors of stone. The Isengard, be strong and hard and cold as stone and bare as bone. We go, we go, we go to war to hew the stone and break the door. For bowl and bow are burning now, the furnace roars, we go to war. To land of gloom with tramp of doom, with roll of drum, we come, we come. To Isengard, with doom we come, with doom we come, with doom we come. Welcome to Lord of the Rings Radio, the one podcast to rule them all. The home of Lord of the Rings Radio is LOTRradio.com. This is episode 5, and it is September 2005. I apologize for the late date that this episode is being released. I know I promised it in mid-September, and it's now late September. But it's been a busy time of year for me. I do work a full-time job, and I've got a house that needs to be painted, and all kinds of projects that need to be finished. So, unfortunately, the podcast kind of gets pushed aside once in a while, so I apologize for that, uh, but it will remain a monthly podcast, I'm probably going to ask for a little more leniency on my release dates, um, I'm just going to promise that I'll have an episode every month, and just ask that you be patient and wait for it to come. I just want to remind you of the ways that you can contact Lord of the Rings Radio. You can go to our website, lotrradio.com, and fill out the contact form there. You can also sign up and become a member. And once you're a member, you can post in our forums. You can discuss things with other members. You can discuss things with me. You can also email me. My email address is aaronawolf at gmail.com. That's A-A-R-O-N-A-W-O-L-F-E at gmail.com. I encourage everyone listening out there to give me your feedback, give me your input, complaints, whatever. Uh, I've gotten a lot of great feedback, a lot of good suggestions. A lot of encouragement. Um, I want to shape this podcast to be what the listeners want it to be, so your feedback is very important. Also, um, besides just feedback, you can contribute. We've had a couple contributors already. We'll have a new one in this episode later on. So I encourage if you want to do a poetry reading or or just uh, record your thoughts on something from Tolkien's work, that'd be great. And you can send that to me uh, by email or contact me on the website. Okay, for this month, for episode 5, we're going to have a character discussion again. I'm going to discuss Gandalf. Uh, We're also going to do a review. I'm going to be reviewing uh, The Hobbit, the animated feature. And we're going to have a uh, contribution by a listener. Uh, Timothy Raitt from Melbourne, Australia sent me a poetry reading that we're going to finish up with. Okay, so we're going to start by talking about Gandalf today. Now, he, of course, is one of the central characters in The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. And for me, you know, after reading The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, he was the guy that I wanted to know more about. I wanted to know what he was, who he was, where he came from, why he was there. Um, I think there's a lot of questions that that you get after reading the books, and I, I wanted those answered. Now, we'll discuss some of the answers to those questions today, uh, but of course, I need to start out by saying that if you haven't read The Silmarillion and Unfinished Tales, you need to go do that because there's a ton of information in there, uh, specifically about Gandalf and the other wizards. Uh, you guys need to read it if you haven't already. Uh, I don't know, maybe I should assign it for homework, but uh, any true Tolkien fan has to have read those books. 
So what was Gandalf? Well, Gandalf and the other wizards were Maya, and uh, the Maya are a lesser order of the gods, the highest order being the Valor. Um, so underneath them you have the Maya. So Gandalf was a Maya, uh, Sauron was a Maya, the Balrogs, in fact, uh, were Mayas that were corrupted by Morgoth. So Gandalf is a god, he is immortal, he's not a man or an elf, although he did take the shape of a man, and he was sent to Middle-earth. Of course, Gandalf was not the only wizard that was sent to Middle-earth, there were five, Saruman being one, Radagast the Brown, and there were also two other uh, blue wizards that were sent, uh, Palando and Alatar and you don't really find much information on those two other than they went into the east and basically weren't heard from again. So the wizards, or Istari, arrived in Middle-earth in about the year 1000 of the Third Age. Now Gandalf himself never really uh, picked a spot to live. He never had any lasting abode. He wandered mainly in the northern western parts of Middle-earth. Uh, he apparently spent a lot of time in Rivendell, and, and a lot of time with Elrond, he was closest in friendship to the elves. It was in 2463 of the Third Age that the White Council was formed by wizards and elves. Um, Gandalf and Saruman, of course, were members of the White Council. I've never really found it said that Radagast was in the White Council, but I, I assume that he was. I don't know, though. Um, and, of course, elves, Elrond, and Galadriel and Celeborn, I think. Now, um, Soromon was chosen to be the, the head of the council, uh, but Gandalf was a prominent member. And it's also important to note that uh, Gandalf was not seen as the most powerful of the five wizards that came to Middle-earth. Uh, rather, Soromon was. And, of course, when you talk about Gandalf, you need to of course, talk about his relationship with hobbits, as it turns out to be, uh, of course, very important in both The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. Gandalf apparently had many relationships with hobbits before Bilbo and Frodo came along. Uh, apparently, he was a close friend of Gerontius, the old Took, and uh, some others. Uh, they say he was responsible for quiet lads and lasses going off into the blue for mad adventures. So, uh, apparently... Gandalf was very fond of hobbits and spent a lot of time with them. I think it's interesting uh, when you talk about the wizards to think about uh, why they were sent and what exactly their mission was. Now, after Numenor was destroyed, uh, it seems that the Valor kind of shut themselves off from Middle-earth and uh, basically said that they were going to let those who still lived in Middle-earth fend for themselves. So it's interesting that they would send these five wizards uh, to Middle-earth to help those who were still willing to fight against Sauron. It's interesting that they chose um, five Maya, who, although certainly more powerful than elves and men, were not... Uh, they did not have the power that man we had. You would think that if, if the gods, if the Valor, really wanted to defeat Sauron, they would have perhaps came themselves, because they did just that in the first age. Uh, the Valor themselves were responsible for Morgoth's defeat and imprisonment. 
So what good was it to send five wizards to defeat the vast power of Sauron? I think when you ask that question, you have to go back to the Silmarillion and uh, read about how the world was created. Um, again, I apologize if you haven't read the Silmarillion, because you probably won't understand what I'm going to say, but uh, that'll give you a reason to go read it. Um, when Iluvatar, who was the one supreme god, created the world, it was um, created out of the music that the Valor made. And I believe that in that music, of course, is detailed the fate of, of elves and men, and I think that it was always fated that the world would come into the, the hands of men. Because, of course, you know, Tolkien wrote this as a prehistory, so of course the world is in the hands of men now. And that's how it got this way. It was men who rose up and defeated Sauron. Now, I know it wasn't just men, it was hobbits too. Um, but I think um, since the world had to come into the hands of men, the gods weren't willing to interfere with that. Um, they had a feeling that it was the fate of man to, to do this, and they thought they would just give him a little helping hand, basically, by sending the wizards uh, to, to guide them. Okay, so Gandalf was sent to Middle-earth to, to guide elves and men and, and hobbits and dwarves uh, to do great things uh, to defeat Sauron. I think it's it's neat when you look at at Gandalf and the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings. You always get this sense that there is immense power there, that, that he is capable of doing some some very powerful things. But you know, in both stories, you don't really get much of a picture of just what Gandalf is capable of. Um, he does a lot of things, but most of what he does isn't uh, anything spectacular powerful magic or anything, uh, most of what he does is move others to do the most that they can do. So when you think of, you know, the spectacular magical things that Gandalf does in The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, there's not a whole lot. Um, well, you look at The Hobbit and there's a handful maybe, um, in the Misty Mountains, of course, when the goblins capture the, the dwarves and Bilbo, he... I believe he makes the fires go out and some fireworks perhaps underground and then um, when they escape in the pine trees he's uh, makes some pine cone bombs and starts some fires but nothing that's really impressive I mean you, you still get this feeling that he could do a lot more uh, then basically he disappears into the the battle of five armies and uh, you assume he does some some fighting there, but you don't really hear anything uh, spectacular from him. And then in The Lord of the Rings, uh, to start out with, there's not a whole lot. He uh, starts some fires with his staff, um, provides some light, and then uh, you get to Moria, of course, and he faces the Balrog, which is perhaps uh, his greatest show of power in, in all of Tolkien's work, at least that we see. Um, but again, it's nothing, you know, overtly spectacular. We don't really know how powerful this Balrog is. Um, you get a sense of it again, but it's similar to Gandalf. You, you get a sense that there's great power there, but you don't see it. 
And even in the Fellowship of the Ring, we don't see it because we don't know what happens after Gandalf falls. Uh, we don't find that out until the Two Towers. Other than uh, Gandalf's confrontation with the Balrog, uh, he has two other major confrontations in the Lord of the Rings. One with Saruman, who, who is basically already defeated, but uh, Gandalf does break, break his staff. And uh, the third being with the Witch King, which basically doesn't amount to much since the Witch King uh, turns around and uh, they don't really confront each other. So I would say Gandalf's defeat of the Balrog is, of course, his uh, most obvious show of power. But I think when you look at Gandalf and what he was there for and what he accomplished, um, he wasn't there to accomplish victory through his own might or his own power. What he was there for was to find power in others and motivate those to do everything that they could. Perhaps that was Gandalf's greatest skill, was finding those who would make good tools for him. I know maybe that has a negative connotation, but I don't think it's negative in this sense. Um, he needed to find men and, and hobbits and, and elves that would be up to his tasks. And he was very good at it. Of course, he chose Bilbo, who worked out just perfectly um, for the task that Gandalf wanted and for, of course, being lucky enough to find the One Ring. And besides choosing Bilbo, uh, Gandalf also allowed Bilbo to choose Frodo, who, again, turned out to be a perfect choice for the task that Gandalf had. And, kind of in lesser ways, Gandalf chose Sam to go along with with Frodo, and um, he didn't choose Merry and Pippin to come along to Rivendell, but once they were there, I don't believe they would have been part of the Fellowship if, if Gandalf would not have uh, spoken for them. So you have the four hobbits, which arguably um, accomplished the most out of any in the Fellowship, and uh, those four hobbits were all there because of Gandalf. Uh, it's also interesting to think about um, other characters that Gandalf affected. Uh, Theoden, of course, I think being a, a very big character that was affected greatly by Gandalf. I mean, not only did Gandalf remove this um, enchantment that Sauron had on Theoden, he also uh, basically reinvigorated this man to, uh, to great deeds, to deeds that he had long ago thought were impossible. Gandalf also played a huge role at Minas Tirith. Now, he was unable to save Denethor, but uh, Gandalf basically took control of the city once uh, Denethor had given it up and, and the battle had been begun. And beyond that, uh, Gandalf, I think, remained uh, the de facto leader of of Minas Tirith and Gondor and uh, the men of Rohan uh, up until the end, until the, until the battle at the Black Gates of Mordor. So Gandalf is this powerful wizard, but the great things that he accomplishes are not because of his power or his magical power, but rather uh, with his skill at choosing the right people to do the things that he needs done and in encouraging them and in motivating them to, to get those things done. 
Now it's interesting to compare Saruman and Gandalf. Uh, Saruman is supposedly the more powerful of the two, and Saruman has this magical voice that uh, has great powers of persuasion, and the listener uh, is often um, convinced to do things that uh, he otherwise may not have done. It's interesting because I think Gandalf has that same power, uh, power of persuasion, of, of getting people to do things that they might not have otherwise done, but he does it in a completely different way. I mean, Sauron's power over people is more of an enchantment, of, uh, of, of tricking them. And I believe Gandalf, um, Gandalf is certainly more gruff on the outside, but his power was more a power of the heart, more of a power of not making someone do something, but making them see that they can do something and need to do something. Okay, now I want to talk a little bit about uh, specific things that happen in Lord of the Rings concerning Gandalf. I think um, an interesting thing in Gandalf's story is the confrontation with the Balrog. And I think it's it's interesting because um, you wonder, and I didn't really see this until until I saw the movies. I mean, it seems when you watch the movie that, that Gandalf chose to uh, follow the, the Balrog down into the darkness, that um, he wasn't really trying to, to get out. And I don't know if I ever really got that feeling from the books. I don't know if that's something that was just was put in by Peter Jackson, or if that's just the way he interpreted it. But it, it's an interesting to think of, thing to think about. Um, although I don't really know why that would happen. Perhaps Gandalf foresaw his being sent back as Gandalf the White. I mean, he seemed more more powerful as Gandalf the White um, than Gandalf the Grey. Maybe he foresaw that... Uh, it was fate for him to, to face this Balrog and be sent back. I suppose that's possible. Um, but it also brings up some, some neat what-ifs uh, with the story, because a lot a lot that happens, almost everything that happens after that point, is is uh, comes from the fact that Gandalf fell. So what, what if Gandalf hadn't fallen? Well, if Gandalf hadn't fallen... Um, I, I assume the Fellowship would have still went to Lothlorien. But uh, what happens at Emonhen then? Does Boromir still try to take the ring with Gandalf there present? Um, maybe not. Does uh, Do the orcs uh, defeat Boromir and, and still take Merry and Pippin? Um, I don't see that happening. If the Fellowship is still together and Gandalf is still there, I don't think that that small band of orcs would have would have defeated them and, and captured the hobbits. So, um, you don't have anyone going back west to Fangorn, to, to Rohan. You have, perhaps, Boromir going to Minas Tirith by himself. Perhaps Boromir and, and Aragorn and Legolas and Gimli going to Minas Tirith. Um, does Gandalf go with, with Frodo and Sam and, and Merry and Pippin to Mordor, then? Uh, it's interesting to think about. I, I You know, it's hard to picture this powerful wizard walking into Mordor uh, secretly. Maybe uh, that couldn't have happened anyway. How would Gandalf uh, have interacted with Gollum? I mean, would Gollum have even tried anything with Gandalf there? Perhaps Gollum would have just 
followed them the whole way, or, or tried to follow them the whole way. And, of course, Gandalf and Merry and Pippin not going to both Fangorn and, and Rohan means that most likely Rohan would have been defeated. Soromon would have would have destroyed Rohan. So Minas Tirith would be isolated between Soromon and Sauron. So, you know, in a way, the, the way that Gandalf was defeated by the Balrog and uh, removed from the Fellowship enabled all these other things to happen that needed to happen uh, for the success of of the uh, of the Fellowship. Okay, so there's a lot to talk about with Gandalf. Uh, there's more I could say, but I want to move on. I would encourage all of the listeners out there, though, to send in your ideas about Gandalf, uh, your reaction to what I've said, or, or your own ideas, or things that I left out. Uh, you can go to the website, lotrradio.com, or you can email me, aaronawolf at gmail.com. That's A-A-R-O-N-A-W-O-L-F-E at gmail.com. Okay, I want to move on to the review of The Hobbit, the animated feature now. Um, I think this little movie has gotten kind of forgotten in the in the world of the new movie trilogy. Uh, it came out, I believe, in 1978. It's a Rankin-Bass production. Uh, it's animation, of course. Um, there was no one... At least there were no names that I really recognized as far as voice talent or anything else. Um, I'm sure some of you out there might might see a few of them, but uh, I didn't really do any research on the names, so I'm not going to get into that. Um, I'll start off by talking about the animation. You know, it is a 30-year-old movie, so it looks like 30-year-old animation, but, you know, hey, it's a cartoon. It looks like a cartoon. That's the way it's supposed to look, so... I can't really complain about about the animation. Um, as far as their interpretations of the characters, um, Bilbo is a round little fat hobbit, which is how Tolkien described him. Uh, Gandalf's a tall wizard with a gray beard and a gray cloak. The dwarves are all... They all look like dwarves. Uh, Bomber's fat, and they all have beards. Um... The elves, I think they maybe missed the boat a little bit. Um, Elrond looks alright, although he's got this weird halo of stars around him. Uh, but the wood elves uh, in Mirkwood, uh, Thranduil and, and his elves, I think, are... Well, they just look kind of goofy. They're kind of... Uh, they've got short little bodies with, like, five-foot-long legs, and they seem to be wearing um, some type of leaves for clothes... And uh, they have these weird accents, these like uh, Eastern European accents, which aren't really fitting. But uh, other than that, uh, you know, the men look like men. Uh, the goblins are kind of, they don't really interpret goblins as the humanoid kind of goblins and orcs uh, from the movies. They're more of a shorter, rounder kind of creature with huge mouths and horns and... Um, so they were a little different. Um, Gollum was... Gollum seemed to be hairy, um, but proportionally he was the right size. He, he had the big lamp-lit eyes, and, but uh, he was kind of hairy. Um, also, of course, Smog. And I don't know if they just did this because they thought a lizard-like dragon would frighten children or something, but Smog kind of looked like a big kitty cat. He was furry. 
which I thought was a little strange, but um, other than his appearance, I think they did a good job with Smog. As far as the story goes, and being faithful to the plot, uh, they do a fairly good job there. It, it is only an 80 minute movie, so they just can't fit everything in, and there's a lot of things that are cut out and condensed. Um, but it stays fairly accurate, you know, things are cut out, Bjorn's cut out, um, you know, everything's shortened. Um, you know, the Bilbo's experience in the in Mirkwood, I mean, that whole thing is, is really shortened, and with the spiders, there's only a couple, and and everything just gets, gets sped right along, you know, you're kind of wishing that the little details were stuck in there, but um, as far as staying true to the plot, I think they do a good job. I think the character of Bilbo has changed a little from the books. He's a little more confident than than in the books. Although you know it's hard to portray, um, you know how uh, scared Bilbo really was. You know in a movie, it's it's harder to show that. Uh, but he does seem fairly confident in, in the movie, and, it, and that's uh, maybe a little off. But other than that. Um, they stay faithful. Uh, you know, you kind of wish you'd see more in places and in that. And it is kind of perhaps uh, toned down. There's not a whole lot of violence. The violence that you see is kind of uh, uh, not cartoony, but um, kind of removed from the screen. You you see Kent Bilbo swing his sword at a spider, and then the thing spins away and disappears. You know, it's not. Uh, not bloody or, or overly violent, so you know, so young kids could watch it and, and it would be all right. One of the things that I really enjoyed uh, from it, probably more than anything else, was the music. Um, the main theme, uh, the greatest adventure, was kind of hokey, and they keep playing it throughout the movie. And I, I didn't really like that, but um, I really like uh, some of the songs they do that come right from the books when the goblins are kept, or excuse me, when the Doors are captured by the goblins in the misty mountains. The the song that they sing in the book, um, down down to Goblin Town, uh, that's done and it's it's done really well. It's kind of fun. And they also do the uh, song of the wargs and the goblins uh, when they're uh, on the eastern side of the misty mountains. The uh, fifteen birds and five fir trees. That it, it's kind of a catchy little tune, and I found myself uh, kind of humming it today after I'd watched it last night. Um, so the music's kind of kind of good. Uh, some of the the original music that didn't come from the books is a little hokey, but uh, the rest of it I think was was kind of neat. You know, it certainly doesn't compare to the Lord of the Rings movie trilogy music. I mean that that stuff's you know amazing, but uh, this is entertaining in its own way. So I guess if if you're a big Tolkien fan, which I assume you must be if you're listening to this podcast, uh, it's definitely worth a watch. Um, if you're not a Tolkien fan, you're not going to like it. Um, it's just not that entertaining by itself. But anybody who likes The Hobbit and likes Tolkien's work and likes the movies should watch it just because it's there. Um, it, You know, as an overall movie, I'd give it maybe uh, three out of five stars. I don't think I'll watch it. Uh, it's not something I'm going to watch every year, but uh, I might dust it off every once in a while and uh, give it a watch. Okay, to finish up with episode 5 this month, we have another listener contribution. This comes from Timothy Raitt from Melbourne, Australia. It is a reading uh, from the Fellowship of the Ring. It is Bilbo reading a poem concerning Aragorn. All that is gold, 
does not glitter. Not all those who wander are lost. The old that is strong does not wither. Deep roots are not reached by the frost. From the ashes a fire shall be woken. A light from the shadows shall spring. Renewed shall be the blade that was broken. Crownless again shall be king. Alright, I want to thank Timothy for sending that in. And I want to encourage any of you out there who are interested in doing the same, whether it's recording uh, yourself uh, reciting some poetry from Tolkien or just your own thoughts about the podcast or about uh, anything Tolkien-related, uh, why don't you send it in? Um, you can do that. You can send it to my email address, AaronAWolf at gmail.com, or you can go to the website uh, and contribute that way, lotrradio.com. Uh, we've got a good forum there. Uh, start a discussion. If you don't want to contribute, you can just uh, talk to fellow listeners, whatever you want. Uh, it's there for you to use, so uh, go for it. I want to thank you all for listening to Lord of the Rings Radio. This has been Episode 5. You can expect Episode 6 to be ready sometime in October. I don't want to set a date, but uh, heck, it's almost October now, so it, uh, you can expect it towards the end of the month. Uh, but I will get it out there as soon as it's ready. Um, so just keep an eye on lotrradio.com. Uh, it'll be announced there. So again, thanks. <laughs>